going to be a very good time. We're going we're gonna to just keep going in worship this morning um, as we discuss worship this morning. And you've already seen it happening, which I love that God's already doing it. But we're going to look at two, um, two words today in, in the Hebrew vernacular that talk about worship. And last week we did this, and the two words um, meant the same thing, but with a different motive behind each when we talked about lifting up our hands. But today it's two very different things. But we're going to talk about each one, and then we're going to bring them together at the end. And it's going to be really powerful and really good, and I'm really excited about it. So let's jump in this morning with the first word being zamar. Zamar, which means to pluck the strings of an instrument, to sing, to praise, a musical word which is largely involved with joyful expressions of music with musical instruments, all right? And I love that the Lord gives us instruments to play, instruments to listen to in our worship, right? We could, we could do chants, we could just sit in silence in worship, but God allows us to have music involved in worship. It doesn't have to be. But he allows us to have that. And I don't know if y'all have ever been in, in a restaurant where music was not playing. But it's weird, right? You walk in and, you're, and you don't notice it at first. Typically, at least I don't. And you sit down, you get your food, and you're eating. Like, the food's good. The service is good. But something is off. Like, I feel weird, you know, in my seat. And then all of a sudden it dawns on you, oh, there's no music in here. It's weird, Right? It's, it's, it's almost uncomfortable. And then you start looking around like, why aren't they playing anything? You know? But it's because music does something to us. And it doesn't have to be worship. It doesn't have to be Christian music. Worship, I mean, uh, music in general does something to us. That's why if you, you have like a little four-month-old or a five-year-old baby and, it's, and you play music, it doesn't matter. They just start boogieing, you know? Because it is in us to do that. Listen, I'm, I'm going to tell you all, this is the truth. One of the most heavenly experiences I have ever had in my life was at a secular concert, right? I love that word, secular concert. But it was because there was this, this arena of 20,000 people. And, and this, this super popular song came on. And what they did at this concert, they gave everyone these wristbands that had, well, you didn't know it at the time, but when the concert started, they lit up. And when the song came on, the, the wristbands all flashed to the beat of the song. And it, was, just, and it was all black in the arena. And all the lights were out except these wristbands that were boom, boom, boom. And everyone was standing up. No one knew each other, right? This is, this is a bunch of strangers. And Jesse and I were there, and this song was playing, and it was amazing. The energy in the room was so cool. And I looked at her and said, this is what heaven's going to be like, except it's going to be way better. Because when we include instruments and music and we combine that with the power of the Holy Spirit, it takes us to a whole new place that no secular band could ever bring us to, right? If you go to a concert and you hear the best set in the world, Hannah is going to come up and she's not going to cry giving announcements at those. But, in, but here in church, in worship, it, it, it evokes that, right? Because it's, it's music, it's instruments combined with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so God, he says, I'm going to give you this that is in you, this, these instruments, this music, but I'm also going to put on top of it the power of the Holy Spirit. And in that is where worship happens. And that's why you see on stage here why we have, you know, electric guitars and we have bass guitars and we have drums and we have keys and all this stuff. And, and I love, I can't wait to see in, in, in 10 years and 15 years and 20 years what is on the stage of the, the capital C church and how it evolves, Right. Because the expression of worship is out of our heart, and how we do that might evolve, might change, might grow, but the heart is the same. 
The heart is a, here, here's, here's what I have to give, right? Here's what I have, Lord, and I'm giving it to you in worship. I'm going to play my in- instrument, right? I'm about to preach on oh, the little drummer boy here, right? <laughs> I, all I have to give is my drum, and I'm going to play it for you, right? So I can't wait to see that. I can't wait to see what, what the stage looks like. Psalm 57, verse 8 through 10 says, Wake up, my heart. Wake up, O lyre and harp. I will wake the dawn with my song. I will thank you, Lord, among all the people. I will sing your praises among the nations. For your unfailing love is as high as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. So what is the psalmist saying here? Is like, when I wake up, I'm going to play my instrument. I'm going to fill the room with music for the Lord. Are there any of us in here, and I am one of those, that you just need that music in the background no matter what you're doing, like at all times? Is that anyone in here? Okay, not all of us, some of us. Who here just is like, turn it all off? I need quiet, right? right? Any of those in here? Okay, and some that just refuse to raise your hand altogether. Praise God. I am, I am not raising my hand in church. <clears throat> cool. Um, I'm one of those people that I need the music on. If I'm washing the dishes, if I'm, if I'm outside doing yard work, whatever it might be, I have to have it on. That's one, amen, right? That's one area where Jesse and I differ. We have very few because she has three little children that are in her ear all the time. She's like, I need peace and quiet. I need you to shut up, all right? Turn the music off, all right? We get it. You're a musician. You need music on, all right? <laughs> get over yourself. <clears throat> like it's scriptural. It says here in Psalms. <clears throat> what? <clears throat> but I love having the music on all the time, just, just surrounding me. My, my, my brain with that, uh, filling the house with it, with that music, it's, it, it does something in me. So the Bible tells us, play the music, play the music for the Lord, for he is faithful, for he is good. We should be thankful so we play the music for him. Mm. Can you imagine what it sounds like in heaven with a ram's horn blowing and electric guitar playing at the same time, all in harmony, all at the right tempo? Right? Nothing out of tune. Oh, the music of heaven is going to be unbelievable. It is unbelievable. We just haven't heard it yet. 1 Samuel chapter 16 tells a story of music and what it does for us. Starting in verse 15, it says, Some of Saul, this is King Saul, he is the king of Israel, and he has been in rebellion towards God as king. And it says this, Some of Saul's servants said to him, a tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Let us find a good musician to play the harp wherever or whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you. He will play soothing music and you will soon be well again. So the advisors are not just saying, let's find a really good musician. What they're saying is, let's find a worship leader. Right? Let's, find, let's find a worship leader that we can bring to you that is going to play worship for you and is going to soothe your soul. Verse 17, all right, Saul said, Find me someone who plays well and bring him here. One of the servants said to Saul, One of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he is a brave warrior, a man of war, and he has good judgment. I love that they include man of war along with worship leader, by the way. He is also, fine looking, he is also a fine-looking young man, and the Lord is with him. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse to say, Send me your son David, the shepherd. Jesse responded by sending David to Saul along with a young goat, a donkey loaded with bread, and a wineskin full of wine. So David went to Saul and began serving him. Saul loved David very much, and David uh, became his armor bearer. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, asking, Please let David remain in my service, for I am very pleased with him. 
And whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp. Then Saul would feel better and the tormenting spirit would go away. All right, so before we go any further, I I do want to address part of this verse that can be a little confusing if we don't understand it. It's that it says that this tormenting spirit was from God. Right? So what we need to understand about King Saul is he was anointed by God. He was, he was placed as king by God because the Israelites just had to have a God. They had to be like everybody else. Everybody else had a king, so the Israelites needed a king. So God made Saul king. And at first, it was off to a good start. But then as Saul reigned more and more as king, he became more rebellious against God. He ignored God, and he really just clamored for the approval of people. He wanted to be a popular king, and that meant doing the things that God, or not doing the things that God was telling him to do. And so what God did was he took his covering off of Saul. He said, I'm no longer going to cover you as king, and I'm going to put that covering over Daniel, your successor. And so as God removed that covering from him, that meant that the enemy had entrance, right? And what God was doing is he was placing his judgment on Saul. But here's the important thing that we need to understand about this. Everything that God does in our lives, is to bring us back to him. He, he, was, he was taking that covering off of Saul, not to curse him, not, not to, not to um, judge him in, in this condemning way. It was to bring Saul back to repentance. And we see the evidence of that by the fact that he, God brings David into the room where Saul is at. All right, think about that. God has taken his covering off of Saul at the same time bringing him a worship leader to bring him back to God. And that's how God operates. It is with the heart to bring repentance so that then God can forgive and you can move on, right? He's not saying you screwed up and you were the king and you did this and that. Now we're done. No. He's saying I'm bringing that covering off and I'm giving it to someone else so that you can come back to me. And he does that with a worship leader in the room. And what I think is amazing is that all that, Saul receives the blessing of David in that time. And there are times when we come into this house and we have been in all sorts of rebellion through the week. Whatever that might look like for you, whatever that looks like for me, but we have not lived the week that we tried to uh, live when we left here last Sunday. Whatever that is. But we know as we, as we come in, I have, God said, do this, I did that. God was saying this, I ignored him and I went this way anyway. And we think suddenly that that disqualifies us from the worship that we can receive in this place. But if we look at King Saul here, it does not disqualify. That's why we can still receive. That's why we can still feel soothed, even though we've been living a week or a month or a year or a lifetime of rebellion against God. But his Holy Spirit in worship overshadows those things. The question is, when we leave here, or even when we are in here, will that soothing spirit, that soothingness of worship lead us to repentance? Back to him. Or we just say, thanks God, I feel better now. Now I'm going to continue on in my week the way I lived before I came in here. And I'll just get that dose next week and the week after. But the problem with that is, if we continue to live that way, the less times we'll actually come in here. And we just start to go down that path and we forget about church, we forget about God, we forget about the family here at Beaches Chapel. But if we come in and we get that dose, say, God, I'm sorry then he is quick and just to forgive us and we can move on with him 
And it's done. It happens in worship. Listen, playing of instruments is powerful. It ushers in the presence of the Lord. That's why we do it first. That's why we do it first. Because it ushers in the presence of the Lord. The second word I want to talk about this morning is barak. Which means, that's right, thank you, brother. (laughs) Which means to kneel down, to bless God as an act of adoration, to salute I want to talk about it in terms of what Psalm 95, verse 6 and 7 says. Come, let us worship and Barak bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are the people he watches over, the flock under his care. So a form of worship is to bow. Bowing is a form of worship. And there's two understandings that must occur when we bow to the Lord in worship. The first one is that bowing is a sign of respect. We bow out of respect to the king of kings, just like we would, we would do if we, if we met a real king. There would be some sort of respect given, right? But when we, when we approach God in worship and we bow to him, we are respecting him. We're saying you are holy and you are righteous and you are just and you are the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So I bow in respect and reverence to you, O God. And I would say that most of us, when we're talking about bowing, we would say, yeah, absolutely. Like, this is not a problem, right? This is, this is what I can do. I can bow in reverence and respect and, and acknowledge you as king of kings and Lord of lords. And yes, you are God, you are creator, and you sit on the throne of heaven. That one we can check off the list a little easier. It's the next one that's a little harder. And the next one, as we bow, says, I submit to you. I submit to you as king. And here's the thing about when we bow, when you bow, you are defenseless because your face is to the ground. and You can't see the attacks of the enemy anymore. So what you are doing as you bow, you're saying, God, you fight for me. God, I am yours. I am, listen, y'all, I appreciate the clapping and the encouragement, but it's hard to do. At least it is for me. It is for me because I want control. I want to say, God, you're a king, and here's, I'm going to show you how to do that, right? Let me show you how to be king in my life. But it's both of those things, and so we really need to be honest this morning and ask ourselves, who sits on the throne of your heart truly? Who sits on the throne of your mind? And who sits on the throne of your actions? Because we can respect God as king till the cows come home, but if we don't see it in our lives, it really doesn't mean much. We're called to bow, to surrender, to give him everything in worship. To have our face to the ground and say, God, I'm giving it all to you. I want to look at this story that illustrates this so well. In Luke chapter 5, starting in verse Six. It says, One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him and listened to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Wow. Okay, let's just pause for a second and look at this and just stand in the the shoes of Peter for a second. Peter is Simon who owned the boat that Jesus is in. There are tons of people coming. It says that the crowds pressed in on him. Like, can you imagine? This This is mob scene, right? Coming to hear Jesus. 
And so Jesus is faced with this predicament, how am I going to teach them all? I need some distance. So he looks at Simon Peter, and he says, I'm going to get in your boat. What? (laughs) Right? Like, think about this for a second. There's this whole group of people there, and Jesus singles out Peter. I'm going to use your boat. He selects Peter. That is incredible. If that were today, Peter would have gotten out his phone, right? He would have said, hashtag Jesus in my boat, right? Jesus picked me. Just waiting for all the likes, right? Validate me that Jesus is in my boat. Feeling really good. Why? Because we love to be selected. If, if, it would be like right now if, if, if there was this announcement that Jesus was coming to Jacksonville. Of course. Home of the future Super Bowl champion Jacksonville Jaguars. Why wouldn't he come here? He comes to Jacksonville. Jesus is coming. And then there's, there's a phone call. And I pick up and, and it's Jesus. And he says, hey, I want to preach at your church. I'd be like, how you like me now, right? Woo, let's go. Jesus picked my boat, y'all. Not yours, not yours. He picked mine, right? Jesus is captain of the dodgeball game and he picks me first. We're going to win, right? We love to be picked. And so Peter is. He's picked by Jesus. Jesus is standing in his boat. Peter's got to be feeling really good about himself at this moment. But the story doesn't end there. In verse 4 it says, When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Okay. Our mission statement here at Beaches Chapel is that we are a home for all to begin and grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. We get picked, we begin. We grow, we continue on. It's the now that Jesus is saying to Peter. Yeah, I got in your boat, Peter. I selected you out of the whole crowd. Now I want you to do this. Hold on, Jesus. I love being picked by you. Felt really good. But now you're telling me what to do while you're in my boat. And here's the thing. You are a carpenter. You are a rabbi. I'm a fisherman. You're in my wheelhouse now. Maybe I handle the fishing part and you handle everything else. Let me tell you all something. God is going to go after the things that we are talented in first. That is what he's going to attack first. Because those become the idols in our life. So if you're super passionate about something or you're super good at something and you are resisting giving that to the Lord, guess what? He's going to continue after you. If you haven't laid those gifts and abilities down to the Lord, just wait. That's what he is after first and foremost. Not the other things. We don't approach God and say, hey, I got this. I'm good. How about my weaknesses? No, no, no. I want your strength. I want to tell you how to fish. I'm going after the things that you're best at. So that then you can take those and glorify me even more. Why would I, your weaknesses? No, I want your strengths. The things that we hold on to the most. And so that's what he says. Now I want you to go out. And I want you to drop your nets. Well, if we just read earlier, if you were paying attention, they had just washed their nets. And this is not like now, there's no hose or anything like that. They can just spray them down. This is hard work to clean all these nets. Have you ever had one of those long days where, I mean, you just wake up kind of cranky already? You know, like before anything has even happened, you're just like, I have deemed today a terrible day, right? 
It's going to happen. I am prophesying it over my own, my own life right now. You just know, right? And sure enough, it happens. You just have a bad day, and all day long, all you are thinking about is just, can I just get in my chair and have my ice cream or brownie or cookie, whatever it might be, whatever tickles your fancy, right? That's all, it's all that you think about. Just give me that, just give me that, just give me that. And then finally you get there. Ah, well, imagine if Jesus comes into the room and says, hey, let's do it all over again right now. That is what Peter is experiencing. They just spent all night fishing, didn't catch a thing. Finally, they're done. He's saying, just let this night be over. I want to be done so I can go home and rest. The nets are clean, awesome. Boats pulled up, awesome. Now I can go home. Jesus goes, hey, I got an idea. Let's do it again. Not easy. Peter's response in verse 5 tells us everything we need to know. With the very first word he says, Master. Simon replied, We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. What he's saying here is, Jesus, I don't want you to just be in my boat. I want you to be in charge of my boat. And if you say so, we'll do it. Because Peter understood the authority of God's words. It is when God speaks that things are done. God spoke and creation happened. God spoke that the Red Sea would be parted, and it did. God spoke and lepers were healed. God spoke and the lame walked. God spoke and the blind could see. God spoke and Jesus died on a cross and was raised from the dead three days later for our sins. God spoke and we were adopted into his family. God is going to speak and Jesus is going to come back and reign again here on earth. When he speaks, everything has to bow. Everything says, okay. And so when Peter heard Jesus tell him to do this, he says, because you said so, because your words carry authority, I am going to bow at what you tell me to do. Because not only are you in my boat, but you're in charge of my boat. It's not enough that I'm just picked. I want to grow in you. I don't want to just begin a relationship with you. I'm going to grow in a relationship with you. And that means handing over even the thing that I do best to you. And I might have failed just hours ago, but I'll do it again because I'm submitting to you because not only do I respect you as king, but I bow to you as king. Verse six, at this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, check this out, y'all, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. What Peter is saying is, look, God, I'm not worthy of this blessing that you've given me. I'm not worthy for two boatfuls of fish that are almost about to sink. I'm a sinner. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of my power. 
Don't be afraid as you go to continue to bow over and over. I want you to remember this moment, Peter. I want it to be ingrained in your mind that when you did everything you could in your power and failed, I told you to do it again and you were obedient and look what happened. Continue to bow to me. Continue to listen to my voice. It is my voice that has the authority. Don't be afraid. Continue to bow. Continue to bow. Continue to bow. You know, last week, last week we talked about lifting our hands, right? Because God loves us so much. And we, we lift our hands in thankfulness for the things that God hasn't even done yet. And today we talk about bowing for the same reason, for the things that God hasn't done yet, and even for the things that he's not going to do. And we say, God, if that's your will, amen. But God is so big and he is so vast that he is, he is loving and he is holy, right? He is forgiving and he is just. He is our friend and he is righteous. And so in the same manner that we raise our hands because God loved us before the world was even created, we also bow to the same God. He is so big. Our response has to be so many different things. I want to ask you all a question this morning. When was the last time that you bowed? Literally. I'm not talking about metaphorical, my heart bows to you, Lord. I'm talking about getting on your knees and bowing to the Lord. What in your life have you not bowed to the Lord with? But you've kept it your own. No, God, I got that. I'm good at that. I know what I'm doing there. You don't need, don't mess with that. That's good. That's neat and tidy. I like it just the way it is. Don't go messing it up. Are there things in your life that you have not bowed the Lord to? It's amazing how we can live for the Lord, recognize the Lord, but make decisions and never involve him in the conversation, not even once. It's later on when it's not working out that we go, oh, right, I never even prayed about that. I never even asked you, Lord, what I should do. I just did it. Because for us, living for the Lord, it means action, right? It means go, go, go. I heard this this week, and it was amazing. So if you want to see something radical in your life, it begins with submission. It begins with submission. It doesn't begin with doing and, and going out of the gate 100 miles an hour. It begins with putting it before the Lord and saying, is this even what you want? Is this what you want me to do? And if so, how do you want to do it? Because I can't just have you in the boat while I do this, God. I need you to take it over. And then I will do it with you. I want to say to the men in here specifically, are you bowing before the Lord? We can read in Ephesians all day long that men are the head of the household, women better submit and all that stuff. But listen, y'all, if we're not bowing, we got it all wrong. Husbands, dads, you want to be the spiritual head of your family? You want to lead a godly example and be that in your home? You need to bow. And you need to be the first ones to do it. 
Don't wait on anyone else in your home to do it. You be the example. You want to lead spiritually? That's how you do it. And if you're not, don't expect anyone else to follow. We have to submit first. That's how we worship the Lord. That's how we recognize him as king. It is a powerful thing to bow before the Lord. But for some reason, it's like we just don't do it. Why? Because we feel awkward? Welcome to the walk with, with the Lord, right? The whole thing is awkward. <sighs> but I want to encourage you, and I want to really challenge you this morning to bow. What are you holding back from the Lord? We're going to have the band come back up, and we are now going to combine the two elements that we talked about this morning. We're going to have a time of worship where we don't sing. We're going to have the instruments play over us, just as David played over Saul. This is a time to, to honor the Lord, to listen to the Lord. It is not a time for the prophetic. We're not going to, we're not, no one's speaking out, no one's singing. It is a time to listen and it is a time to bow. Can we just close our eyes for a second? I want to read over these things. There might be some of us in here who need to repent. Praise God for the opportunity. Some of us have let him in the boat, but we haven't let him take control. Now's the time. Praise God for that opportunity. Some of us need to hear from the Lord. Praise God for that opportunity. Some of us have been grieving or struggling, maybe taking the burden of life onto our own shoulders, and we need to remember whose burdens those belong to. Praise God for this opportunity. Some of us need to hear from the Lord. We've been going, 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 asking, 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 but we have not stopped to bow and say, Lord, whatever you want. Praise God for this opportunity. Maybe you're here and everything is going great. For you, it'll be easy to bow. And for some of us, we've yet to receive Jesus as our Savior. We've yet to give him our life. We've yet to let him in our boat. This is your opportunity. The Bible says if you believe in your heart, you profess it with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. There's no magic prayer. There's no equation. There's no let me come back next week after I've lived a really good week and fix some things. No, 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 no. It's by bowing. Saying, God, I'm sorry. Be Lord of my life. I give you control. This is our moment to worship the Lord not with our voice, not with lyrics, but with the music playing over us, bowing to Him, it's, it's in that submission to God that we are then freed, y'all. He doesn't ask us to bow to imprison us. He tells us to bow to free us. Because in those moments, that's when all the burdens and the worry is released unto him. The burdens that he wants to take from us anyway. Can you be defenseless before the Lord? Say, here it is. Here's the things I'm great at and the things that I'm not so great at. And I'm giving it all to you. 
I'm giving it all to you, God. I'm giving every single bit of it to you, Lord. Forgive me, Father, for holding on to even an ounce of myself. Forgive me, Lord, for disrespecting your throne. But now, God, I give it all to you. Every single bit, Father, is yours. And watch what he does. Watch how he releases you. Watch how he does miracles in and through you. I'm believing that Beaches Chapel is going to have fish filled to the brim as we give everything to the Lord and put him as the highest king of kings, that he would get all the attention and all the glory and every little bit as we give it all back to him. But we can't leave anything for us, y'all. We can't leave anything for us. Let's submit together. Let's do this together. I'm not singling out a single one of us here. This is for all of us. So how we can do this is a couple different ways. You can come up to the front. We have these nice rugs at the altar and bow. If, if, if it's physically hard for you to do this, you can just put your head right on the chair in front of you. That's all you have to do. You can get out in the aisle. But I, I really want us to take this very literally this morning. And we need to bow before our King. I believe God's going to speak to you. He's going to release you. He's going to strengthen you. Father, I thank you so much, Jesus, for this opportunity, for bringing us back to you, Lord. And I just pray, Jesus, in this time, you would work on all of our hearts, whatever we're carrying, whatever we're walking in. If there's things that we need to repent of, God, if there's things that we need to let go, God, if we need to invite you into our heart for the very first time, this would be our moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for speaking to us, Lord, for giving us this opportunity to bow to our King, to be free, to worship you in reverence, to worship you with respect. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for bringing us back to you, Lord.